Thanks for tuning in to the New York Fashion Week edition of the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Sergio Hudson, the designer behind the eight-year-old fashion brand Sergio Hudson Collections. Sergio's colorful, impeccably tailored suits, jumpsuits, and dresses are sold at top luxury retailers, including Bergdorf Goodman, and have been worn by A-listers from Michelle Obama to Beyonce. Ahead of his runway show on Monday night, I wanted to talk to Sergio about how he's approaching fall 2024, what challenges he's facing today as a brand founder, and why a presence at Fashion Week is worth the investment in 2024. Welcome, Sergio. Hi, how are you? Hi, thanks so much for being here. Can I tell you a funny story? Yes, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Flashback, we're heading into fall 2024. So last season... I saw you in my hotel. <laughs> it was like a celebrity sighting. Here's the picture, picture, Sergio. Nobody can see this on Zoom. I was so mortified. I was like, I see you in my hotel, in my uh, elevator. And I'm like, you're going out to dinner. I think you had already done your show. And I'm like, you know, writer nerd that I am. I had run around at shows all day. And I'm like coming down in my scrub wear, get to get fetch my DoorDash to like write all night. And anyway, I was like, Hi, you're Sergio Hudson. And you're like, yes, I am. You were kind enough to take a photo. Anyway, so we're reunited today. <laughs> yeah, I try. You know what's crazy? When I try, I used to try to stay in the financial district in one of those like places that are like almost secret places during Fashion Week. Yes. Because all the hotels are filled with fashion people. And it was like, wow, like everybody just permeates every part of the city during Fashion Week. Yes. You can't hide from me, no. <laughs> but that tells me you're not located in New York. Tell me where you come in from. What is your usual New York Fashion Week routine? Do you like to get in a few days early? How does it go? No, I am I live in Los Angeles, but part-time in New York because all of the clothes are produced here. So I come in normally about, some, depending on how much the collection needs to be um, tweaked two to four weeks before the show every season. So um, that's kind of my MO. And then I come in when it's time to do, like, the show or do, like, uh, you know, delivery for the stores. So I'm here a lot, actually. Yes. I mean, that's a long flight. (laughs) I'm sure you know it well. Well, tell me about it. You've been been doing Fashion Week for a while. I think the last... Show I didn't make it last season, but the season before I attended, I know I saw Dorinda of Housewives fame in the audience. I saw, I think Veronica Webb walked the show. It was so stunning. Anyway, tell me about your approach to a show. Does it, it should always be more than models walking without smiling. (laughs) You know, I enjoy a good show and, you know, I'm one of those designers that just really love women And I want to celebrate them and make them feel and look as beautiful as possible. So when I do my show, that's my goal. It's like these models are on display. They need to invoke what the Sergio Hudson woman is, what my customer is. And that's why I always do um, a good deal of age diversity. I don't like just to have 20-year-old girls in my show. So, you know, I love to have, you know, girls in their 30s and their 40s. Um, Veronica is almost 60. She does the show every season. 
it's just, to me, you have to show everybody that they can be a part of the brand and they can look just as beautiful as the young girls look. It's not even, or even more, like I love a older woman as much as we all love young women and what they bring to the table. So I really um, approach it like, let's give the best display of womanhood as possible. Right on. And what would you say is your goal for the show? Like, what do you want to get out of it? Why is it worth the investment every time? Yeah, I think you want to get eyes on the collection. You want to get eyes on the brand. You want to bring brand awareness to um, the world and let people know that you're there. And I think with the shows, it creates this fanfare that kind of makes people want to be a part of what you're doing. I know it did for me when I was young. So that's what I'm trying to create with my shows. Right on. What can you tell me about your shopper? Is it is who's on the runway in terms of age, size, diversity, all the things? That's reflective of who is buying your clothes, wearing your clothes. Well, the Sergio Hudson woman is obviously a woman that knows who she is. And a lot of times they are high-powered executives or just, you know, I dress a lot of um, public figures you know, across the country, I dress a lot of news anchors. They feel confident in my clothing. You know, it gives, I, what I try to infuse into the clothing is power. And when you put on a Sergio Hudson garment, you should feel empowered. You should feel strong. And because that's the spirit that I design everything in. So a lot of my customers are powerful women. You know, one of my greatest clients is a uh, federal judge. It's like um, CEOs, presidents of companies, you know, people like that. It's a lot. (laughs) Yes, because I think of you and I think of a great suit, a power suit, some might say, (laughs) Um, with the differentiator being this really impeccable cut. Like I said that in the intro, but, or fit. Tell me about how you're perfecting fit and how, is it challenging when you're, working with so many different body types, like that seems like a challenge. It definitely is a challenge because you want to have, well, I personally want to have something for everyone. So there's always a few suits that are more fitted to the body. There are few suits that are a little further away from the body. There are suits that have a stronger shoulder. Some have a softer shoulder. Um, It's always, you know, putting different types of suits within the collection. Then there are suits that can be worn with dresses. There are suits that can be worn with skirts or pants. Um, you always have to think about what is this woman going to want to wear. And then there's particular women who just don't like suits. So I always do great pencil dresses or, you know, something that that same type of woman who has that position, who doesn't want to wear a suit, can wear and feel professional, feel strong at the same time. Yes. What can you sneak peek about your fall collection or fall show? Are you doing anything unexpected, anything different? Well, obviously, it's a lot um, a lot different. But the biggest thing is I have an amazing partnership with Rakuten. And we are launching, for the first time, two exclusive pieces to be sold immediately after the show on the site. And, you know, I'm just so excited about that because 
people can see what they see on the runway and what they really like. And hopefully these will be their favorite pieces because they're some of mine. <laughs> They'll be able to actually purchase them, which is to me almost like magic. <laughs> yes, please. Oh my, have you had you done See Now Buy Now before? So to speak, but never um, directly. It's always, um, you know, a few months out or something like that because my this is my first collection that I'm actually showing in season with everybody else. When I started, we were in the, um, when, when I started showing collections and um, we were in the middle of the pandemic and everyone was saying, oh, let's, um, you know, change it up a little bit. Let's show collections that people can actually buy soon. And so I actually did that. And I think, you know, you ever had a friend that told you, oh, let's do this and let's go on this trip and you booked the trip. And then they were like, oh, I can't go, but you had already booked the trip. So you had to go. <laughs> That's kind of what happened. I feel like I was out there on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I did that for a few seasons and now everything, the dust has settled and we're going back to just showing, you know, on the calendar with everyone else. So this is my first season doing that. So we're really excited, really scared. It almost feels like um, my first fashion week. Yes. Oh, well, good for you. I'm excited. Um, and this is your first Rakuten partnership and you are, this will be messaged at the show and maybe on your Instagram that you can get it now. Like there'll be no mystery. No mysteries at all. <laughs> we want people to yeah. buy. <laughs> <laughs> buy now people. I love it. Well, tell me about the power of celebrity. I mentioned again, like Michelle Obama and you, you talked about I've seen Blake Lively. I've seen, oh my gosh, who else? Oh my God, Mary J. Blige. Anyway, all these names are coming to mind. But yeah, what does that do for a brand like yours? You know, it put eyes on the brand, especially, you know, everybody thinks just because you show at Fashion Week or just because a celebrity wears your clothes that you're at a certain place in your business. And, you know, by any means, we're not struggling like that, but we are a young business, so we can't afford the big marketing campaigns and, you know, billboards in Times Square like some of the brands can do. But what the Dressing the Celebrity does is it gives you that type of exposure because there are so many eyes on them and what they're wearing. So that's um, one of our marketing tools. It's actually how I got to where I am because, of course, when we started out, we didn't have any budget for marketing. So it's like, let's dress celebrities. And that's how we built the brand. I love that. Was there a specific celebrity that was the the moment where you're like, okay, this is accelerated things? I would say the moment, the moment would be Michelle Obama for sure at the 2021 um, inauguration. But there were little moments along the way that I felt got us there. You know, like when we dressed Beyonce when we dressed Jennifer Lopez, um, we did Kendall Jenner for her 20th birthday. Um, when we dressed um, Amal Clooney for Meghan Markle's baby shower. You know, little things like that, I feel like were little markers that got, you know, every little bit gets you a little more exposure until it's like, I feel like it's building till the bomb goes off. And that's <laughs> definitely at inauguration, it was the final blow and it blew up <laughs> for sure. Yes. Were you able to, I guess, ramp up, whether it was production or um, distribution, whatever it is with, to meet demand? Or um, how did that go? How did that look? Well, it was crazy. I always tell people my business from January 20th, which was inauguration, 
and to January 21st is completely different. Like, it literally changed the entire business. Literally, by six months later, I was in every major luxury retailer. Stop. The only door we had prior to that was Moda Operandi. After that, we were in Bergdorf. We were in Neiman Sachs, Net-A-Porte, um, every major retailer. Oh my gosh. And you were already equipped for that success. Did you need to do some, make some hires? Did you need to, um, what, what did that look like to catch up? I've been waiting for this my entire life. So, you know, even entering all those doors at the same time sounded so crazy to some people. They were like, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, yes, now's the time we have to do it. We have to press go. I was ready. Um, I've been ready. I'm not some spring chicken that, you know, when that happened, I was like 36, 37. And, you know, so it was like I've been doing it since I got out of college in my early 20s. So I was ready. And um, we had a great team that negotiated with all the retailers because, you know, a lot of times as a newer designer, they want exclusives and everybody wants, you know, you all to themselves. And I... Um, to the credit of the retailers, they all understood what I was trying to do and they obliged and let me enter all at the same time. Good for you. What do you look for in a retail partner? Like uh, they should be luxury. You should, there should be like brand alignment with the other brands they carry. Um, I don't know anything else that in terms of, like you said, negotiation contract, like what, what's a good partnership? I think a good partnership is you have to know who is their customer base because we are a young brand and we don't have the legacy status just yet. So a lot of luxury customers only shop legacy brands because they only want to wear brands that everybody knows what they are. That's not the Sergio Hudson customer. The Sergio Hudson customer is the woman who wants great quality clothes that will last forever. And she's the the girl who goes for quality and fit over a brand name. And every luxury customer isn't that girl. So you, I have, when I go into with retailers, we have to know, okay, who is your girl? Is she going to shop our brand? Because you don't want to enter into a store and, you know, kind of stagnate yourself. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Well, are you heading up the creative side and the business side of the business? No, I have a business partner that I've been with for eight years. Her name is Inga, and she had she heads up the business side of the business. But I'm very involved um, at the same time. I'm not one of those designers that just oh let me be creative and go about doing my creative thing. And no, she very much handles a lot of the business, but we um we confer about a lot of things and decisions that we make with the business. So, yes. Yes. Tell me about how you feel about like fundraising and ownership of the business or investors and all the things. Do you own the business? We absolutely own 100% of the business. Good for you. I'm not opposed to investors, but if I'm being completely honest, I think fashion is a hard business in general. And then being a designer, being a designer of color, there are still those road blockades for me. Um, I feel like it's just not a... I was talking to one of my friends who is, you know, obviously not an African-American designer. 
and they couldn't believe that I had no offers for investors or people that wanted to buy into the business. And I told them, I'm not investable to most people. Like, you have to understand because it's something that nobody's ever seen. Like, nobody can imagine a Black designer having a legacy brand. And in order, because it's never happened before, like, there are no Black designers that have brands that you can see going on forever and ever and ever. We haven't made it there yet. So when you're, like, trying to do something that's never been done before, as far as with a ready-to-wear brand, which is, you know, and I don't think people really understand, there are not any other designers that make suits, make coats, make, you know, dresses, make all these ready-to-wear pieces. I am an American sportswear designer, um... And I'm African-American, so I feel like almost like a unicorn sometimes. And, of course, there are other people who make things, like they make suits and they make coats or whatever, but that's not the focus of their brand. I That's the focus of my brand, you know, yeah. comparably to a Michael Kors or a Ralph Lauren or a Donna Karen, Calvin Klein. Like, it's just not out there. It's not normal. So I don't think, you know, people see it just yet. Um, and I think that might be a good thing because by the time they see it, I can make sure we have a great deal. <laughs> yes, right on. I'm with your designer friend, though. It's it's kind of shocking to me about the the lack of, of I don't know, investment interest. But yeah, I've seen I've seen your um like you've been you've had a great great honors by like Harlem's Fashion Row, and some people are giving you your just deserved rewards but would you say like may did anything change for you after like during 2020 and black lives matter do you think that there was some j- disingenuous <laughs> you don't have to make a big bold statement but um did anything change for you just based on how you're saying the industry has been has you been treated well i will say this i didn't directly benefit from that moment um i think because i was so different for I'm not so different for a designer. Like, it's so many designers out there that make the stuff that I make. But I was different in the fact that I have a luxury brand that's American sportswear that makes the type of clothes that I make. I think the people that benefited from that most were the people who fit into the diaspora of what people think a Black designer is. Um, and, you know, of course, I got some extra meetings during that time, but nothing really happened for me. Um, what really happened for me was the Michelle Obama moment. Yes. And I think, of course, you know, some store, stores had been trying to change and, you know, be more inclusive. So I benefited from that, of course. But I think the catalyst for our brand success was definitely the hard work that we had put in all those years to build these relationships with these, you know, public figures and celebrities and their stylists to really get to where we are. I do believe that George Floyd changed some things um, and opened up some people's eyes. But if you, if I'm being honest now, I think that is fading because the reality of the world is setting in again and we're facing possible recession. And, you know, it's not like a buzzword anymore. So, you know, yeah. it's it's getting harder for us I mean, just look around at Fashion Week and see how many designs of color are showing this season. It's not many. Yeah, I have friends who can't afford to show, 
you know, amazing designers, amazing, amazing designers that can't afford to show because nobody wants to support them in a certain way. So I feel very blessed to be able to do what I'm doing. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's still a struggle. Um, right when you see your brothers and sisters going through things. Yeah. Yeah. Fashion clearly has work to do on that front. Any other ways like fashion, we're, we're a little bit stuck in the <laughs> olden days. <laughs> Talk about evolution. Talk about evolution. Maybe if, even if it's... I think fashion is what I like to call a um, forward-thinking, backtrack-acting organization. Yes. So, like, you think forward, but the things that you do are backtracking. You get what I'm saying? So it's like almost like traditions get stuck in their head and they can't break out of the traditions. I mean, even think about how when I was telling you you know, the way we were doing our selling. We were se- we would sell the collection in season to the buyers. Then we would save this collection until it was time for Fashion Week to show it to the public so that when the public would see the, the collection, it wouldn't be six months before they could actually purchase it. And eventually, at first, it was like forward thinking, like, oh, wow, that makes complete sense. But then when they got to the nuts and bolts of they, you know, all the retailers were like, you know, hold on. Like, what do we categorize this collection as? We don't know. You know, oh, you got late delivery. So now what do we do? So it's kind of, you know, I feel like fashion wants to be forward, but that kind of stuck in tradition. Yes. The structures in place have been in place too long. We need to budge a bit. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Well, tell me... um. Michelle Obama happened. The train took off. You got on board that train and you're go- you're off. Tell me about your the success of your company since the growth you've seen where you are now. Absolutely. Um, I think, to be honest, we went from one retailer to several in the blink of an eye. So the growth was immediate and it was there. Um, of course, as we've seen the economy change, we've seen some decrease, but... The support for our brand has not wavered. People are very supportive. Our clients are extremely supportive, and I'm so thankful for that. And we are, you know, solidifying our place. People have come to Sergio Hudson and say, I can, I now hear, you know, see people send me text messages or tag me on Instagram and say, is this a Sergio Hudson suit? It has the cut of a Sergio Hudson suit. And that just makes me feel so great because people know what we're doing and what we're bringing to the table. And I think um, that's one of the most rewarding things. Like people start seeing, oh, wow, that's very Sergio Hudson. To hear someone say that is just music to my ears. (laughs) And the signatures for your brand that they're calling out are good signatures to be associated with. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, Tell me about, well, you clearly, Fashion Week's worthy of the investment. I think PR for you is worthy of the investment and whoever is connecting you with some of these celebs. Um, In terms of marketing, like what else is important? Um, Maybe not digital ads or is that crucial to getting the word out there? Maybe fashion magazine ads, it seems very expensive. Like what's, what's marketing for you? So here's the thing. Independent, uh, independently owned brand, of course we can't 
afford fashion magazine ads. It's just not <laughs> even... Is it even relevant anymore? I don't know. I think it's still relevant. Um, I think in a different way. Mm-hmm. When you go to Vogue.com or Harper'sBazaar.com and you see the ads run across, you know, the screen, that to me is still like seeing the magazine ads. It's the same thing. Um, and every time you go to Vogue.com, when you click on the next picture, it's another ad. So I just kind of feel like, yes, it's still very relevant, but it's relevant to the people who can afford it. Yes, true. (laughs) I think people, the brands like me, we have to focus on social media and making sure, you know, when we shoot an ad campaign, it's really to launch it on social media to sell the collection or to use on our website more so than to take out an ad in a magazine. So I think um, it's still very relevant and still very important, but we have to use it in a different way. Totally. Well, what what's inspiring you now? What are you excited about? Women always inspire me. Um, the power of women to really rise above all the obstacles and specifically Black women to rise above all the obstacles that's placed in front of them. First of all, to be a woman in a world where men take precedence and authority and all the power, they take up so much space. I said they like I'm not one of them, but... (laughs) I'm like, keep talking, Sergio. This is, you're right. I think sometimes men just take up all the oxygen in the in the world and they take up all the space. And to be a woman in that is already difficult. But to be a Black woman in a world where you're a woman, so you're secondary to the men, and then you're a Black woman, so you're secondary to every other race that exists on the planet. So to see the power of the Black woman to rise above all of that and still be CEOs, still be presidents of companies, not just starters of their own companies. You know, some I have some of the most prolific women that wear my clothes and they inspire me. You know what I mean? They push me to create beautiful things to pretty much let them, I'm creating their superhero costume. That's how I feel. Almost like I'm lending something to their purpose. I remember um, I was talking to one of my clients about she what she was going to wear to the show. And this was just a few days ago. And I growing up, it was this movie called Boomerang that Eddie Murphy starred in. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And Robin Givens was the lead woman in that movie. And looking back on that movie, this was a precursor to pretty much everything that's going on now. She was the president of that company. She was the boss. Like, the buck stopped at her. And to see her in that movie looking so fabulous and wielding so much power as a woman, but not just a woman, a Black woman, it was so inspiring to me as a child that I carried that with me. And I said to myself, I want to dress women like that when I'm older, not knowing as a child that that really was rare and that was a movie and that really didn't happen that much where a woman had that much power in a corporate space. 
But now they do. Like, you see, you know, I have, I mean, I see the experience. Like, one of my great clients, you know, runs part of Google. So it's like... Fantastic. You get what I'm saying? Like, you have a, a, a black female president of Jimmy Choo. Like, you have all of the, you know, like, the woman who's the president of the NBA is a black woman. Like, you know, it's just, like, so amazing. I feel like that was a precursor to what we see now for women. So that's the woman that I see in my head, literally when I'm designing anything that I design. <laughs> now I want to watch Boomerang. I love that as your inspo. That's so... Yeah, it's I'm like sure. a lifelong inspo. And it's like, if you go back and watch that movie and you realize, you know, how just how much power she had and how she wielded it and how good she was at her job. And not just being that, but being a woman that was like, I don't have time for, you know, love, marriage, and all of that BS. I just want to have fun and keep it going. And how she turned Eddie Murphy, it was boomerang. You know, like, he looked like (laughs) that. And she kind of flipped it on him. To me, I just love it. It was so inspiring. So inspiring. Well, we are so out of time. But last question for you. I mean... You've seen it all, you've experienced success, and yet, yes, there are hurdles along the way in fashion regardless. Like, if you had to give advice to somebody, maybe they're coming out of Parsons or maybe they're just doing it on their own, like, what would you say? Like, they're going in, if you had to give them some advice, what to expect, how to cut through the noise, all the things. Um, be determined, believe in yourself, and be hardworking. Don't let the dismay of the industry or the complaints of how bad it is dissuade you from the passion that you have. Because if you do that, you'll never do it. Um, And don't ever give up. You have to have the mindset, if I never make it to where I'm trying to go, I'm going to die trying. Those are the people that make it in fashion. Like, if you don't, then if you don't have that mindset, then you probably won't make it. Like, if you're one of those people that's like, well, if this doesn't work out in this many years, I'm going to go do this. You should just go and do that. Put in the grit, put in the work. I This is why I like you. I love, I'm like, I hear you. That's how I think about, the, about stuff. <laughs> don't be a diva. Do the work. <laughs> Definitely. Sergio, this was oh so fun. I'm so excited to see what you pull off in the next couple of weeks at your show. Um, thank you for being here. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.